0: The fog and everything socked in, and it seemed like it, uh, like it took away all my energy. So I just sat around drinking a coffee and studying with the cats and had a really good day. The Lord really has been blessing me. Um, I have to thank Pastor Demo, I have to thank Pastor Humphrey for the leadership that they've shown me over the years and all the, the, the good teaching and preaching we've been getting of late. I think uh, <clears throat> this message tonight has given a little bit more of an accent to the, the ministry that the Lord has put before our church and our responsibility as uh, members of the body of Christ to be the servants that God would have us to be. The uh, Lord's working all the time. Uh, we've prayed for, I don't know how long, since uh, we, got, we got kicked out of the jail, I think in March 2020. And it wasn't until last, yesterday afternoon, Rocky McDonald called and he gave us back the Thursday night service starting tomorrow. So, uh, it was a while in coming, but again, it's, uh, when it's the Lord's timing, then it's right. So, uh, so we're, uh, it's gonna be, gonna be getting a little bit different now to, to get uh, back in the swing of things. Like Melissa, you know, you were in and out there how many times and you get kind of used to it. But I've been away now for a couple of years and it might take a little bit to get used to the banging of the bars and, and so on. But again, it's all about, not about us, it's about the Lord, it's about the souls of men. Um, we can begin to make a difference there uh, in FCC. As you have occasion now, I'll turn in the, your Bibles to Luke chapter 15 little bit different kind of message uh, as you get into this you'll readily recognize uh, this <clears throat> the text we're going to be looking at uh, from uh, we're we'll looking at from verses 15 and 11 on down I think we'll read all through 24 here <clears throat> so it's a well-known portion of scripture um, we all know the What's said here in general? We're going to just look at a few points. What I really want to focus at on is verse twenty-two. Brother Richards, when he was here preaching, he made a comment one time that that caught my attention. That kind of helped <laughs> me to understand some things. He said, you know, sometimes it's uh, we need to look uh, between, read between the lines. And what he was talking about is he impressed upon me is that sometimes it's valid to make inferences about actions or something that that's that what wasn't commented on specifically in the text, but that the implication was there and it was valid as something that didn't rest scripture, and so uh, that's got what I kind of use this verse chapter uh, in uh, verse 22. About, we're going to be talking about spiritual cleansing or the matter of sanctification. Now, I'm going to lay this down right away. <clears throat> I believe that, that our church is embarking on a new, in a way, a, a new uh, move forward for him. Uh, I really feel like that the Lord has been working in individuals' lives. He's been working in our ministries. And that if we're praying that he will continue to work, especially in the native ministry. That I think it's very, very vital and important for us to not leave off remembering those people and those those villages, and to be actively praying for them. And as Pastor Humphrey was teaching on on Sunday in Sunday school, I think you're going to teach more about fasting, no? Well, about the importance of incorporating prayer and fasting at times. I know that that God, he is pleased when when we pray and fast as individuals. And I can't help but wonder that God would be more pleased when he sees a church that has a heart to pray and fast for specific portions of the ministry that he's given us. So let's go ahead and read, and then we'll get going. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger... Of them said to his father, Give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living, the the elder son and the younger son. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of the country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For my son was dead, for this my son was dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to be in your house tonight. Thank you for the blessings that you've afforded us as members of your forever family and of this church, Black Road Baptist Church. We're thankful, God, that for the ministries that you have set before us, Lord, that we can be, and that we would be found faithful servants. Lord, we thank you for the blessings that you've afforded us in the temporal matters of uh, our daily bread and beyond. Uh, we thank you god for raising up families and new families in our church lord that there can be uh, uh, another uh, generation of souls saved and and uh, hopefully lord there'll be even from this generation there'll be men called to preach to meet the needs of the mission fields of the world we humbly pray in christ's name amen Okay, well, the the term prodigal, this is often called the prodigal son. Again, this is not a a word that's found in the scriptures, yet it is an accurate description of this individual. A prodigal is one that expends his money extravagantly or without necessity, one that is profuse or lavish, a waster, a spendthrift, from Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Now, don't think within yourself that you couldn't become as this prodigal. Consider Saul. In his early days, he walked with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit worked in him. He came into a time became jealous for David. He plotted his murder. He killed uh, a number of priests for no reason except they had they had given help to David to King David and this man that had been <clears throat> the first king of Israel ended up uh, inquiring of, of the witch of Endor for the future and his end was was not good and consider in again an illustration of a man who started good but ended bad because he took his eyes off the Lord. They let the world have reign in his life. You consider David, mighty king of Israel. He plotted out adultery and murder. Um, but in the end, this man, he was repentant before the Lord and the God forgave him of his sin. He cleansed him of his sin and he used it. But nevertheless, you know, remember that he carried with him that stigma. Of what he had done and it would be a plague to him and to his and his his sons and his family so just as an aside here about this matter of of our spiritual cleansing our sanctification it should be and I hope is very true that that we have weeded out the more gross sins of life the more Uh, abhorrent sins of the flesh. But we never really get there. When God calls us, he says, be holy as I am holy. And so he set a standard that's impossible for us to reach. Nevertheless, he has given us that unction to make that our goal and to be seeking to uh, achieve that that we could, through the being obedient to God's word, <clears throat> that we could draw nigh to God, that we could draw from his strength, and we would work ever to, to, uh, to guard against inroads into our flesh. The world and the flesh and the devil have in truth nothing out there that's good for us. And so <clears throat> in this matter of our personal, our sanctification has to do with um, that, that the, at the point of our salvation we're removed from the power of sin that we can claim that our, that our sin has no more dominion over us. It shouldn't have rule over us. But our sanctification is also a process that we, were, we have a hand in. We need to be able to do to know God's word, to incorporate it into our heart and our mind and, and, and inculcate it into the actions that we do and it's it's as anything else it's it's a, it's a lifelong process and we dare not let up on it's like you know if you if you're driving your car and you take and you're you're going forward at a nice safe rate of speed you know well for jordan i don't know I won't say but uh, what happens when you when you're cruising along if you take your foot off the gas what happens slow down right you aren't going to get where you need to go as fast as you should in that same way when we take off when we when we leave off this matter of discipline spiritual discipline in our life then we're not going to be able to go forward and be the servants that god would have us to be and again this isn't one of uh this isn't one of jesus's parables he did often use parables, but when he says there that it was a certain man, this is a, a real-time happening. He used the same term in the, in the previous chapter, I think it is, with Lazarus and the, and, the, and the rich man. So we see here in this first, in those opening verses about the lure of the world, it appears that this man's father was fairly affluent, it says down there in verse nineteen, he says, uh, "And no more, and I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants." It's very likely that he had many, many hired servants. His father had may have had enough wealth. Is this what partly what set off his his lust and his desire to have uh, possessions that well that were. Um, It wasn't good for him to to desire to have at that time in his life. Uh, And evidently, we read that he he probably had either sampled of or he knew of some of the world's offerings of fleshly or sensual delights, Uh, wine, women, and song. Even though this was in Israel, you don't need to think that that those things weren't going on, you know, there were, there were wine bibbers. there were people that drank wine, there was, you know, uh, there, were, there was prostitution. And uh, this young man knew about it, and rather than discipline himself from those things, he allowed himself to be taken up by it. And he, he gives this uh, selfish demand. He says, give me. I want my stuff. I want it now. All he cared about was himself. Uh, He wasn't thinking about his father. He wasn't thinking about the rest of his family. He didn't really want to have anything to do with his father, just thinking of himself. And uh, he didn't think about, you know, I'm sure that in in his town, his village, his father was, this is something we could read into it, that he was a respected man for who he was and for, for his, you know, perhaps his honesty, his integrity, for being a good uh, citizen. But his son didn't care about that. He wanted to get away from the, the discipline, the overseeing of his father, and get out in the world. And how much this example is of every lost person. They want everything they can get from God's creation free, but they don't have anything to do with the creator. Mm-hmm. This is the epitome of mankind's selfish desires. A generation ago in my youth, good hard work was generally rewarded with the opportunity to gain possessions and wealth. It was looked upon as being shameful to live off of charity or welfare if you had the ability to work. It's not so today. For slothfulness or laziness is rewarded by our government by providing all kinds of free stuff to people thereby enslaving them to the welfare system um, the bible does the bible we know in the, in the old testament uh, god was not indifferent to the needs of, of poor people you remember how that, that, that in the levitical law said that when the harvesters went out that they were to leave Leave grain in the corners that are to leave the stuff that fell on the ground. They would leave a bundle here or two. They could do the same thing in the orchards and the and the vineyards and so on. It was they were it was a command of God that the owners would leave enough for the people before they could come and could glean. Remember that's what Ruth was about when she came back from Moab. Didn't have a place they had a place to go, didn't have a way to get food. They could go out and they could get the grain from the from the fields. And they could make sustenance for themselves. And I'm sure in those, in those days that extended families, as did even a generation or two ago, they looked out for their old people. Because they had respect for them. And they took care of them and their needs. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 10 through 12, uh, but we see, beseech you, brethren, that you increase more and more and that you study to be quiet and do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that you may walk honestly toward them that are without and that you may lack of nothing. <clears throat> God wants to give to his, his, his children so they can have enough to give and to live and to help other people with their, with their needs if the opportunity arises. But, you know, for the lost person or for the, 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 a backsliding, backslidden Christian, um, sometimes the, the matter of our of charity and, and uh, love for their neighbor seems to wax uh, and to wane. But if you want to live your life like there's no God, he will allow you to do just that. If you want to take all that he can give you without acknowledging him, he will let you do that also. But you need to know and understand that at the end of your life when the bottom line is drawn on your existence, you're gonna face an eternity in hell because you denied the God of heaven and earth and all that is, the sovereign king who has set the rules for your and my existence for now and eternity. Proverbs 16, 25, it says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but then thereof are the ways of death. There's, there's virtually every individual in this existence has a self-justification for, for, for right and for wrong or for, for now and for eternity. Um, <laughs> even atheists have built a belief system to justify their own belief that there is no God. But again, believing a lie doesn't make it true, neither does disbelieving the truth make it false. God's word stands as sure. It's something that we can stand and lean on and uh, receive the blessing from now each and every day that we can feed from this book and take from it some of the strengthening, some of the spiritual food that we need for the vital growth of our spiritual life. Okay, now back to the son. Though not unknown, it was a rare thing for a son to request his inheritance before his father had died. Some even considered that it was a wicked thing to do, almost like wishing that your father was dead. I can't imagine something like that, but I know it's it's true in our world today. The biblical law did allow for the eldest son to receive a double portion of the father's wealth, leaving one-third for the youngest son. So that's what this young man ended up getting. It says there that after he had got his his portion of his living, that he gathered it together, so whether he had to liquidate animals, livestock, produce, whatever, he did that so he could get jingle, so he could get that gold in his poke that he could take off and live his life. So the request was made of his father. But did you ever consider, um, why didn't the father just say no to his request? Certainly his father, being wise and insightful, had a very, very uh, good idea what was going to happen to his son and he knew there would be nothing good (coughs) nothing good and you suppose that the son if he would have said no that the son would have simply said okay dad I'll just I'm cool with that and we'll just go with it and we'll just forget all about it I doubt it this young man had made his mind up yeah yeah it's like this if I can see somebody sitting like this they made up their mind about something well, he'd made up his mind already. He's going to go forward no matter what anybody said to him. And so the father, he might have thought, well, if I if I say, um, if I say no, uh, he didn't know what he'd do. You know, he if he could if he stayed around home, he probably couldn't get, do the things that he wanted to do around his home country. Be too ostentatious. And he, he might have had enough conscience that he didn't want to besmirch his father's name, so he took what he had and he got out of town. Uh, so after much, like I, said, I was gonna say it, after after many tears and much pleading, he gave in to his son's request, knowing full well what he was gonna go through. We know the rest of the sad story. He fell into bad company uh, blowing his inheritance on sinful living and ending up hurting pigs something that was uh, really something that should have been was abhorrent to uh, to any Jew especially for a young Jewish boy uh, the Jews under their Levitical law weren't even to to touch to eat of the hog or, or to even uh, touch him or be around him it was un- considered unclean And so it ends up, after all the money was gone, and this is the way it works, identification with the world, just when you think you got it made out in the world, the world's going to turn on you. You can give everything of your life to the sinful activities of the world, and in the end, you're going to come up only with want. And so he ended up out there, feeding pigs feeding hogs out in the out in the uh, in the countryside and so you know if you're around been around doing any animal husbandry especially pigs you know they're dirty animals especially when they're outside and he was probably not just you know a little pen full of pigs it might have been hundreds or even thousands of them you remember from the the story of the demoniac of gadara when when, he, when Jesus cast the, the, the evil spirits out of the de- demoniac, the, the possessed man, he said he cast them into a herd of swine, of 2,000 swine, and they went into the, into the sea and were, and were drowned. So, you know, if you're around that many animals for any amount of time, you're going to get to look and smell pretty much like those old pigs. There was nobody to take care of this guy. Nobody cared about him. We wouldn't even give him lunch. He had to root hog or die with the pigs. That's the way the world rewards It's, it's those lovers of darkness. That's the way the reward, the devil all pay, always pays in counterfeit that which you put so much joy and happiness in. This man found it out, finally, how long he was there? The Bible doesn't say it might have been days, weeks, months, it might have been a year. until he finally, as it says there, <clears throat> in verse 17, and when he came to himself, what does that mean? Well, don't you think now for, for at least some goodly while he'd been assessing, yeah, what he had before he left? That's what it says my servants had everything that they needed, and I ain't even got a crust of bread. I haven't got nothing to eat. I'm ready to die here. Well, he was simply desirous to be as a simple hired servant. He says, how many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough? <clears throat> this hired servant, this person was, was like a wage earner or a day laborer. They got their pay whenever day, week, month or whatever, and then they went on. They weren't like the Dulos or the bond servant that under again under Levitical law the the the, the master had to provide him with food, clothing and, and, and shelter, and if they if they left and and for his family, if he ended up had a family. And if he would choose to leave after his time of service, then the, the master was bound to give him enough goods so that he could go out and make his living. It was a, not a bad deal. But the son, he didn't even dare, dare even be made as one of those. He wanted to be just the pot scrubber, the one that cleaned out the latrine, the one that did the, the, the most menial of the positions. That's, that's, he had he'd finally came to himself he saw what he'd done and he recognized that it was his responsibility when he says then that I've sinned against heaven and earth and his, and his father. And he did, when he finally got his mind right, he had a change of mind about who he was, I believe, about sin and I don't know if this man was, was lost or if he's a backslidden Christian. I don't know. But he made the right move when he, when he found himself in a position there where he, he could no longer take care of himself. And he turned his eyes and he headed towards the Father. Now I'll tell you something, for a lost person, when you come to the point in your life where you have nothing else, that's the time to go and look for the Father. You come to the Heavenly Father and you come seeking Him, having a personal relationship with Him through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then you can live a life of blessing. Come what may, the storms of life will come. But if you have God as your father, you have everything in this existence. You have that gift of salvation, the priceless gift of salvation that no man can buy, but many would covet after, but they won't bend the knee. And so the return, again, we've looked at that pretty much. He came to himself and he began to head out. And then verse uh, we'll pick up in verses 20 and 22. It says, "Then he arose and he came to his father, but he was yet a great way off. His father saw him and had compassion, and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him, for it was it was considered uh, kind of a almost a disgraceful thing for a man to an elderly man to run. You know, you'd have to." pick up his robes and all that stuff and take off you know and it wasn't something that was considered um, proper but his father didn't care he just saw his son and he was going to get to him and get his hands on him as quick as he could and the son said unto him father I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and I am no more worthy to be called thy son The father didn't even let him go on, but but the father said to the servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a robe on his hand and shoes on his feet. So the father was, was indeed looking for him, even though his son had disappointed and rejected him, he was looking for him to return and he ran to him and received him with open arms. Now as the son was covered with the filth of the hog lot, so is the guilty sitter covered with the filth from the stain of sin. You know, you, and you can know, you can go, and this young man did. They, they, they took a time when they, when they got him under the water faucet there, and, uh, and they washed him up. But God will receive any, a lost individual in his sinful nature. He'll receive him just as I am, just as you are, if you'll come to him repenting and believing. And that's what God wants to see from a truly repentant sinner, one that is humbled before Him, that'll confess his sin, and God will always wonderfully receive Him. Um, John 1:12 says, "But as many have received him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name." And also 1 Peter 3:9 says, "The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. That some, some men some count slackness, but as long suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Now, about this matter of the best robe. This term indicates a garment that would be, that would recognize the wearer as a person of dignity and rank, a person that deserved respect. A robe like this would only be worn um, on special occasions such as a feast day, a festival, maybe uh, like at a wedding or something. Now, Now, while I can fully understand the father embracing his son in his filthy condition, I don't believe he would put this beautiful garment over the filthy, smelly rags that his son had on. One commentator did say that he, that he stated that the father put the robe on his son covering the filthiness as God clothes the believer in righteousness when he is saved, and that's true. But it has more of the, uh, the picture in the Old Testament of, of God atoning for sin, making a covering for sin. Uh, that's a valid picture, <clears throat> but again, taking in consideration uh, like what, reading between the lines there, I think what the father did was when he, he embraced him and he told his servants, get this kid here, strip him of his clothes, wash him up, bring him back, put some clothes on him, and then I'm going to put the robe on him to show how joyful that I am to have my son back. And in the New Testament, under the the, the New Testament uh, times, when a believer is saved, his sin is not just covered up. Kafar. But it's taken away. That's about this matter of spiritual cleansing. The Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration. A renewing of the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 3, verse 25, Romans chapter 3. What a dynamite book for all the for all the, the, the beautiful doctrinal pictures that, that God paints in this in this in this one chapter of the Bible. It's just awesome. Every verse in this in this chapter preaches because it says volumes and volumes and volumes about who man is and who God is. The way of righteousness, the beauty contained in, in, in those scriptures is something to be admired and loved, because that's what it does. It shows God's love for you and for me, for the world's people. And it says there in Romans 3.25, God has set forth to be a propitiation. Okay, $5 word, that means, talks about the appeasement or the satisfaction of God's wrath. It also talks about how that the the person is reconciled or made right in having a family relationship and when they have been been estranged from God, a stranger to God, the moment they've been believed and born into his forever family. This matter of reconciliation takes place. the, 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 The teaching about the spiritual adoption we become, we're not naturally born into God's family. You understand? You must be born again. That's what he's talking about. That the the relationship that has been broken at the time of our choice, that from the time of our uh, accountability, there's a time in your life, young man, where you're going to become accountable, personally accountable, before God for your sin, for your sin debt. You and nobody else is going to be held responsible for it. No individual need have to go to hell and pay the, their, their time in eternity, paying and paying and paying, and you never get the debt paid off. But God in his love has made a way that no person need perish if they're willing to repent and believe. <clears throat> Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that they're taken away. That are passed through the forbearance of God. 1 John 4.10 says, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, the believer's propitiation is linked with the appeasement or the satisfaction of God's wrath. <clears throat> uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore we are no longer under condemnation. Our sins have the sin debt that we incur <clears throat> incurs the wrath of God and His justice and His punishment in spending time and eternity in a place of eternal separation from Him. The fires of hell, uh, <clears throat> hell is just as real as heaven. Yeah. And I remember back in the '60s, there was a song, an old rock song, that says, "I." I pray there ain't no heaven. I say there ain't no heaven, but I pray there ain't no hell. It isn't through living, it's only by dying we'll tell. Well I'll tell you what, if you if you wait too long, if you wait to your dying day, and you aren't born into God's family, it's a sure thing that you're gonna spend eternity in the fires of hell. John 3.36, that beautiful chapter when when John 3.16 is presented, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The chapter ends with John 3.36, where it says, He that believeth on the Son hath, as a possession, everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life or union with God, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It's like the it's like having your neck in the guillotine or like you're having your neck in the noose. <clears throat> it's just a matter of time. It's like being on death row. Do you understand what about death row is? There are people that are on death row in, in their prisons today are waiting for the time of their execution. Do You understand? If you're lost, you're on death row. It's just gonna be a matter of time if you if there's no repeal. For the for the individual in this world, in the spiritual sense, to be pardoned doesn't happen because the Bible says we we become guilty already because we have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So this is where this matter of spiritual cleansing comes in. Uh, I found this. Uh, I was on YouTube. Uh, yesterday i guess it was and i ran across this uh, this uh, site there it had 120 hymns so i clicked on that and it was it was all a cappella and uh, they were pr- singing all these uh, these beautiful hymns beautiful uh, renditions and it just uh, it just thrilled my heart that god uh, He made me one of those blood-bought ones. The Lord to hear, to hear, to ponder, you know, the, the Rock of Ages, what He's done for me. And how He's made a way that we, that we can rest and abide on Him forever if we're willing to trust in Him. So what can wash away my sins? Well, we know nothing but the blood of Jesus. It takes spiritual cleansing to get rid of this Sin debt. I remember um, when uh, I was married, my youngest stepson Benjamin, three, four, five years old, he he loved dirt. He had his Tonka trucks. He had a Tonka truck. He had a grader. He had a bulldozer. He had loaders, and he made a, a sand pit and he would work out there all the time. Just, you know, whatever. He, but one time, Linda called him in to lunch. He'd been out there, and he comes running in. We're all sitting at the table waiting. Ben comes in, and he says, black from head to foot. All he could see is the whites of his eyes and a little tuft of the blonde hair sticking up. Well, he couldn't come to the table like that, so Linda, she stripped him off get him in the laundry tub and hosed them all down, you know, clean them up, put some clothes on, then he was ready to come and sit down with us. He'd been cleansed. We need that spiritual cleansing if we're going to be right with God in the matter of our salvation and also in the matter of our fellowship. If we're we're not on the right page with God, if we're not praying, if we're not reading His Word, if we're not communicating with Him, we're not where God wants us to be. That's part of our choices in this matter of our sanctification, it's doing the things that we know to do and not doing the things that we know not to do. So I'm sure again that this father had his servants strip the son of his filthy garments to wash him up and then dress him in that beautiful robe. The, the son had no part in this act though from time to time, after that he be responsible to maintain physical cleanliness in his life. In that same way for the born-again Christian, God, we're responsible to deal with the sin issues that come into our life, because you know they do. And we're never going to get there. But if we're going to be, if we, we need to be amenable to being conformed to the image of Christ. And that's that's accepting, you know, they had some really good teaching that was really good for me. You know, Pastor, brought, uh, Pastor Humphrey brought about this, about, you know, our... Our, uh, our, uh, sometimes from, from Hebrews there about you know, our chastening, rebuking, scourging, and so on. Sometimes God uses uh, things that we go through to educate us. Sometimes it is to punish us. Sometimes it's, well, it's, it's, for, it's for our good. It's always for our good. That's what's hard to get by. But we either believe Romans 8, 28, or we don't that all things work together for good to them and love God, that are called according to his purpose. So we need to remember that. Um, when the guilty sinner comes to God, repenting and seeking forgiveness, the robe of righteousness is bestowed upon us. Maybe it's part of that gift of salvation that we have. And uh, we're cleansed of our sins, and only then can the Holy Spirit come and indwell us. That's what uh, Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. He said, what? What? He said somewhat incredulously. I like that term. Know ye not? He couldn't believe it. Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and not your own, for you are bought with a price. What? The blood of Christ. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. And so again, Titus 3, 5. We, we go through this, the washing of regeneration, and renewing of the Holy Spirit to be made right, that our sins are washed away. The Holy Spirit cannot indwell a lost person. You got that? The Holy Spirit, God cannot bless a lost person in the way of his, the matter of his spiritual nature. You must be born again. You must be spiritually washed. You have to come under the blood to know the forgiveness of God and have a position of, uh, in his family. After our salvation, it becomes our responsibility to maintain the blood-bought vessel. That's this stuff that we reside in. This is the element of our personal sanctification. That's our responsibility. God is still going to work through us, through his power, to help us to, do the, to, the, to separate ourselves from the sin in our life and to deal with it. So how are we sanctified? John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. We know that faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the the word of God. And that's this Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Got it? Basic instructions before leaving earth. You have everything in this book that you need to know for now and time and eternity. It's an awesome book. We, you, can, you, know, you, can, you can study and read uh, even one verse sometimes for, for days and hours and weeks, and you can draw more and more truth out of it, because the Holy Spirit working in a believer through the Holy Spirit, He opens our eyes to the truth that we need as we need them sometimes. Romans 5 9 and 10 says much more than being now justified by his blood we shall be saved from wrath through him there you go for if when we are enemies we are reconciled to God by the death of his son much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life and so that's where we need to be if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us that was written to believers the whole book of first John was written to believers believers can and we will sin but the moment a sin is recognized we need to confess it forsake it and go on <clears throat> remember Why do we need to be sanctified? Well, the spirit is renewed. It's spiritually cleansed, but not this stuff. This stuff is the same. Well, it's gonna get old on you and wear on you, but the urges of the flesh never change. I thought it would get easier, uh, fighting sin, as I got older, because I you know. When I found out, if you take your eyes off, off the Lord and his word you can end up on your face real quick even at 74 years of age just saying Second Timothy chapter 2 verses 20 and 21 I'm just going to wind up with this it says but in a great house there are, there are not only vessels of gold and silver but also of wood and earth and some to honor and some to dishonor If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. Now, I'm not prepared to give a dissertation on this, but it seems like in God's family or in his church, there are two types of, of vessels, two types of people, those that are the gold and silver and those that are of the wood and earth. The gold and silver, he says, is, is, is worth more to honor than the wood and earth. But he says, if a man therefore purge himself of these. You got it? Of the wood and the earth, of the things of the world. If you purge yourself from those things, he shall be a vessel unto honor. He'll be the gold and the silver. Sanctified, separated to God. And meet. Meat for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. That's the work of God working through us. So it's our responsibility to rid our lives of any sin that would compromise our ability to serve God and our witness. The life of sin, we learn from this man, the life of sin results in a wasted, empty life. And God does say, be holy as I am holy. That's the standard he set for us. Uh, And we need to remember as we pray, in Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the God will not hear me. Again, so that's that's where this matter of spiritual discipline kicks in. This is where we need to be 24-7, 365. Now, as we're... As I said, I, I see that our, I, if we desire to see God work in the native ministries, if we, see, if we desire to see him working in the prison ministry, let me ask you something, Daniel. What, is, what, are the, what did the work that we did in the prison ministry mean to you? Would look to every day. well that's where we, we we hope to see more men come and be saved and become members of this church We shouldn't be afraid of that Daniel Spence is a is an example of that of the fruit that came from even if it took 15 years I think it started in 1999 if it took 15 years of preaching if had to preach another 15 years to get another man saved and become a member you think it'd be worth it in God's sight he said yeah not again it's not about you and me it's about it's about God and his his work and for all his glory so the power of prayer with fasting is something that we may need to incorporate into our life if we want to see the the responses from the native village begin to pop up I guarantee you they won't if we don't pray But I believe 100% that if we do pray and believe, I believe we will see fruit. Maybe starting in Savonga and Gamble. I don't know. There may be some, God has some other plans for this ministry. I can only pray so. And we learned also remember to pray specific prayer. That's why it's good to I thank Brother Chris for the emails he sends out of the missionary reports when you can read about what Moa needs to, Specifically, and some of the some of the um, the ministry requests from some of the preachers, write them down. Write them down. Pray about them. Uh, it's going to make a difference. I know the missionaries covered our prayers. So consider uh, your own responsibility before God now, for to to be the servant that God would have you to and me to be uh, to de- to work on this matter of uh, growing closer to God, to dealing with the. Uh, the, using that shield of our faith as we go out into the world and, and meet the challenges that come. Uh, he's a great God. I know he wants to work work through us. And I'll say this, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you're leading, you're heading for a wasted, empty life. Just like that prodigal. Thank God, though, he saw the way that he was going and he turned to his God and trusted in him. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the time to be before you now. I thank you, God, that we can know the forgiveness of sin, that we can know the blessings of uh, a family relationship, that we can have those times of sweet fellowship when the Holy Spirit reaches out to us as we reach out to him. We're thankful, Lord, that uh, with your strength We can conquer all ills. We can conquer all matters of the world and the flesh. We dare not trust our own, but to wholly lean on uh, your name and and, uh, your power. We just pray, God, you would uh, continue to bless this church. Give us souls for our labors near and far. I pray in Christ's name, amen.